How I Made It in America is brought to you by these fine sponsors. Dr. Garland K. Davis, a.k.a. Dr. G. Family Dentistry in Laurel, Maryland. New patient specials only, $99. This includes teeth cleaning, dental exam and x-ray, personal consultation, and custom treatment plan. Schedule your appointment today at Dr. Garland K. Davis Family Dentistry. Terry's tag and title, 10 minutes or less. That's right, 10 minutes or less. Fast, friendly, and affordable tag and title services without the hassle of the MVA. Stop by any one of our six locations or just call Terry's tag and title, 10 minutes or less. How I Made It in America, where we peek into the minds of successful entrepreneurs, movers, and shakers with your host, Frazier. Good morning, good morning, good morning. How are you guys doing? You listen to How I Made It in America. I'm your host, Fraser Phrase, with the phrase that pays for months and for days with my co-host, A to the Z, Azalea. So, <laughs> Azalea, who do we have on the show today? Good morning. Um, on the show with us today is a man who has mixed his go-go influences with his hip-hop edge to create a one-of-a-kind sound. He is best known for his infectious party anthem chants, which have become worldwide hits and has one of the most instantly recognizable voices to come out of D.C. Before we introduce him, let me clear my throat. <laughs> hey, DJ Cool, how you doing, sir? Let me clear my throat. Hello, Frazier. How you doing, AZ? What's Welcome going on? Welcome to the show. Oh, man, yeah. thanks for coming through, man. Really, I know you're super busy, so thanks for giving us the time. So we're going to just jump right into it, okay? DJ right. Cool. Before DJ Cool became DJ Cool, let's go back to when DJ Cool was a little boy. So where did you grow up in the D.C. metropolitan area? Uh, Washington, D.C. in Southeast, uh, 15th and K Street Southeast, as a matter of fact. Right off of Pennsylvania Avenue, they call it Capitol Hill nowadays. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so I went to D.C. public schools, and uh, I am definitely a native Washingtonian. That's why you always see me wearing that Nat Fitted on my head every time you see me because I'm I'm always repping the, the area. You know what I mean? And I don't say that I'm from the DMV because you cannot be from D.C., Maryland, and Virginia all at the same time. So <laughs> I, I'm from D.C. I don't know I don't know what these what these other ones talking about. So yeah. Okay, so when you were coming up as before you got into the music, what were you doing? I mean, what were some of the things that you were into growing up in Southeast D.C. at that time? I, I mean, honestly, music has always been a part of my life, but it was it was it was actually music and sports. Okay, you know okay. what I mean. Uh, once upon a time, I had NBA dreams. Once upon a time, I had Major League Baseball dreams because I was very good in both sports. Okay. And um, so for me and, and, and all the people that I hung with in, in my neighborhood, we were always somewhere playing ball on the sandlot or what have you. Or when we were at school, you know, in between classes or maybe around lunchtime, you might hear us, you know, singing and harmonizing, you know, in the halls. Uh, 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 I also had dreams of being a, a keyboardist for Parliament Funkadelic one day. So oh, <laughs> okay. before, before hip hop, I remember I'm 61. Right. You know what I mean, so I go all the way back with it. Oh, wow. 
So what yeah. was that moment? Obviously, music has been a part of it, um, you know, your whole life. But what was that moment when you were like, you know what? I, I know you used to uh, DJ um, back in the 70s in clubs and you would like show your like turntable skills and whatnot. But where, when was that moment when you were like, you know what? I think I can really make a career out of this. Um, well, actually, I felt like that from from the inception. Um, and, and I tell people all the time that I was I became a DJ because I wanted to use that as a stepping stone to becoming an artist. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and once again, this was pre hip hop though, you know, right. you know, just like I said a moment ago in my head, I was going to be, you know, sitting next to Bernie Worrell playing keyboards, you know, for, <laughs> for parliament with, with George Clinton. But then here comes uh, the inception of hip hop. And I heard Melly Mel's voice. Okay. And I'm like, okay, he's amazing. And I heard, actually I heard King Tim the third's voice first. Um, uh, who who uh, made a song called King Tim the Third Personality Jock with the Fatback Band, which was actually the first hip-hop recording that I personally heard before Sugar Hill Gang's Rapper's Delight. But I heard King Tim the Third, and I heard Melly Mel's voice, and I was like, okay, this is this hip-hop thing, and I think that I can do that, and I think that I can do it just as good or better than them. Uh, my DJ influences came from uh, a guy named Arthur Maniac McLeod, Okay. Who is a legendary D, uh, DJ here in the DC area from the 70s, from the uh, probably, I would say, mid 70s. Uh, I've seen him at a club that I wound up playing at later on because of his request, a club uh, that used to be called The Room, which was on 12th and New York Avenue Northwest. Okay. And so Maniac McLeod and Grandmaster Flash, which is actually me and him at the same age, believe it or not, wow. Uh, wow. those were two of my earliest DJ influences. Wow. Okay. So you got into the DJ game and, and hip hop. And, 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 uh-huh. So you got into the DJ game and so you decided, okay, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and make my own record. Is that what the thought process was at the time? Because, you know, you were, you were, you're mixing, you were getting in the club game and you were figuring things out, but were you rapping at the same time or were you just DJing at the time? I was doing both because, um, I was patterning. I was, I was, I was, I was, I was emulating what I saw Maniac McLeod do. Okay. Maniac McLeod was the first DJ slash MC that I witnessed okay. in person. You know, he always had the mic skills, but he also was very proficient as far as, you know, the art of mixing records is concerned. Now, this was, this was before the art of scratch mixing even, even, even came into, even came into, uh, came into play. Okay. This guy, he could just mix records seamlessly, like for hours, you know, you, and, and just make you feel like he danced the same song all night. Like, but he's already played probably a hundred songs, you know what I mean? Within, okay. within the span of a few hours, oh, wow. you just out there and, you know, next thing you know, your knees are hurting, your ankles are hurting, everything is crazy. <laughs> so when did you decide, okay, all right, let me go ahead and, and put my first, when was, what was your first record you recorded? My first record was a song called The Music Ain't Loud Enough. It came out in 19, between 1986 and 87, probably closer to the latter part of 86. Okay. Um, and the way that that story goes is uh, a guy named Dick, Dick DeBerry, uh, uh, R.I.P., you know what I mean? Okay. Um, 
He used to be an independent record promoter, but he also owned an independent record label called Creative Funk Records. And a lot of the old school people that are listening right now probably remember records that used to come out on that label. Um, he came into uh, the club that I was speaking about earlier, The Room, and uh, he bought me all my records for that week. And he was like, man, you ever thought about going in the studio and making records? I was like, yeah. He said, well, look, I got a group that I want you to do a mix on. I had a little R&B group called Zero Hour. Okay. So we go in, and I'm helping. You know, I'm assisting with the engineer, with the mix engineer, helping, you know, with the mix. So once again, he, he threw the question at me, did I, uh, you know, uh, how did I feel about, you know, making records? And so then I went back and about what I said earlier. Well, that's the reason why, you know, I started DJing because I wanted to use that as a stepping stone to becoming an artist. Right. So to make a long story short, um, I, I went home and uh, back then that was like, right when sampling was first starting to get real popular. Right. And uh, there was a sampler called the Emulator by Insonic, a company called Insonic, and that was the first sampler that I'd ever seen uh, uh, in, and, and, and had an opportunity to use. And uh, I recorded the record, The Music Ain't Loud Enough. I, right. I actually thought the song up in my sleep, which was, and I know, I know this sounds pretty far-fetched, but I thought the whole song of every sample, every lyric, Everything, the whole arrangement. I came in the studio the next day. I had all these records. I'm like, all right, look, we're gonna take, uh, we're gonna take a kick from this song. We're gonna take a snare from this. We're gonna take, we're gonna take EU's. Uh, EU had a song called a Cabbage Patch, and we and I looped two bars of that beat. Yeah. And 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 and, and started working on the arrangement of the records. And, and my whole premise was to make a a record to let people know that I was from DC because that's why I always used to lay my records with all these beats from these go-go records, right. you know, from uh, EU, Trouble Funk, so on and so forth, but also arrange them in a hip-hop manner, uh, using samples and, 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 and having uh, structured arrangements and stuff like that. So you would say, would you say you were the first person to create the, 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 the mashup between hip-hop and go-go? Coming out of D.C., Coming yeah. out of D.C.? Okay. As far, okay. As, as far as DJs are concerned. Now, you also had Trouble Funk right. doing stuff. Um, on the Sugar Hill label and everything, but I'm talking about the way that I did it from a DJ perspective right. using samples right. and wow. everything. I was definitely the first one to come out of this area, and um, I was the first one to come out with a, an actual hip-hop record mm -hmm. to go national coming out of this area. Wow. So, so In the... 1986, when music ain't loud enough. Right. And that that had a lot of samples, man. I was listening to it last night. I said, "Wow, it's a lot of stuff he has on here." So my question to you is, because it wasn't, you know, I would say go 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 go, and you were mixing the hip hop. Did the city <coughs> embrace that new style? Because it was a new style. It was different. It, it caught us by surprise. Like, well, what's that? I played it a lot when I was back in the eighty six, eighty seven. I listened to it a lot. So my question to you is the. The city, did they embrace that as, okay, we love this, or as like, I don't know, DJ Cool, man. This is kind of too far to the left, too far. There. It's not go-go. <laughs> I mean, what was what were you feeling from the community? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> yeah. anybody, well, let's put it this way. Anybody that I saw loved the record. Right. Let's put it that way. Right. Uh, if there's anybody that didn't like the record to this day, I still don't know. Okay. All right. 
Okay. <laughs> but so so um, DJ Cool. So the the chants you're most known like for the the infectious like hip hop chants that you do. Um, did that come from your DJing and sort of controlling the crowd, and you sort of incorporated that in your songs? Pretty much, yes. Once again, this is Maniac McLeod being a DJ MC. You know, going back and forth with the crowd. Uh-huh. You know, with the call and response, but. I mean, all right, let's 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 talk about call and response right now. Call and response has deep roots in old school hip hop, but you can even take it back further than that. Let's let's go to church with it. You know, I mean, this is where this the whole inception of the uh, of the actual uh, call and response comes from. Yeah, it comes out of, it comes out of the uh, the Baptist church. church. Okay, <laughs> oh, okay. You know, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. So. so- yeah. So when you got signed to the the major label, because you were with a a, a not a, a a major label when you first got started, right? You were right. with a B label, and then you got signed to the majors, the A label. Um, how was the experience working with? And of course, there's a huge difference. Did you feel spoiled? Did they spoil you? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I got one video. You don't need. You know, we would have to have a, a, a whole nother show yes. <laughs> to talk about my experience on American Records. So what at what age did you get signed to the major label? What age? Well, I must have been about 39, I think 38 or 39 okay. when uh, when Clear My Throat came out. Okay. I was 96. Okay. I was born in 58, so something like that. Yeah. Okay. So not understanding, I mean, I know you, you are a DJ and you are a, a, a musician at the time, so you didn't know too much about the, the, the music business, right? So was it something that you had to learn on the fly or on the job, or did anyone kind of pull you aside and say, hey, okay, DJ Cool, you got to watch out for this, 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 and this? Were there anyone that was actually in your corner that helped you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh in the beginning, you know, but I would before say before before no. you even answer that question, you know, we're about to take a quick break. But before we go to that break, right? Who was yeah. your mentor? I mean, I've had several mentors. Uh, one of them was Maniac McLeod. He was the number one mentor. But then we can also go to a guy named Ashton Greaves, uh, who was the first person that I actually got an opportunity to DJ with. He had a, a mobile DJ service called the Sound Service. Okay. Matter of fact, let's just save that part. And right after we come back from these from this commercial break, then we can get into part two of There you go. <laughs> DJ Cool went to the Alright, DJ Cool. Hi, right, DJ Cool. All right. There you go. Getting schooled by DJ Cool. <laughs> <laughs> How I Made It in America is brought to you by these fine sponsors. Fresh Designs, Inc., your one-stop solution for automotive and residential window tinting, audio, navigation, and security systems. Located in Ellicott City, Maryland. K. Joseph Watches, providing wristwatch lovers with both quality and beautiful designs. Remember, every minute is a memory. Go to kjosephwatches.com. Hey, you're listening to How I Made It in America. I'm your host, Fraser Fraser, with my co-host, A to the Z, and we're back with DJ Cool, Cool, Cool. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> <laughs> you have a question? All right, so go ahead and ask one. 
So now we're we're talking about being on the major label now, um, right. and the, how the experience was sort of different. And you were just about to get into how you were not spoiled at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it was horrible. Oh really? You know? really? And, yeah, and I wish I wish that Rick Rubin was listening right now. Oh, oh. wow. Okay. Let's put it that way. Wow. You know what I mean? So he they didn't did not treat do you. what he was supposed to do. But then let's put it this way. See, I, I got told one thing, and then it was something else going on. That's why, I, you know, big ups to my, to my guy, Fat Tommy. You know what I mean? He was he was the guy that, that really looked out for me at the time. Fat Tommy um, was uh, in charge of the record promotions and stuff going on at American Records at the time. Uh, American Records was being distributed by Warner uh, at the time. And to make a long story short, uh, they lost their distribution deal with Warner. Oh. And so that's what happened. So DJ Cool got set on the shelf Ooh. from 1998 to about 2003. Wow. With the, with, with, with the giant record. Wow. I wow. had a song called, I had a song called, I Got That Feeling that we were supposed to drop. Come next. Uh, the song charted number 12 on the Billboard Top 50 Singles chart. Number 12 with a bullet. With no, it came on what, what we call butt naked. I mean, we had no radio play at the time. Wow. wow. We hit number 12 on the Top 50 uh, a, a single chart on Billboard, and uh, it had a bullet on it. All I needed was a video. Right. right? Mm-hmm. They're going to tell me. <laughs> this is one of the little, little, <laughs> little fibs that they told me. Well, all right, we grown. What right. are the lies that they told me? <laughs> <laughs> they say, uh, well, you know, DJ Cool, the record's already, already been out. Well, it had already been out in the mid-Atlantic region, but the rest of the country had never heard the record. Mm-hmm. All I needed was a video, and that would have helped the inception. That would have helped, like, get this go-go going nationally right. and whatnot. Because once again, you know, I got that feeling had another go-go beat sampled up under it. It was the beat from um, I'm Getting Ready by Dougie Fresh, done by Rare Essence. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. You see, it was the same beat that I used for the song I have called 20-Minute Workout. That's my favorite song. Uh, yeah. the exact same beat. I just put the sample from Naughty by Nature Uptown Anthem on top of the same beat and turned it into another record using an old party hook from Red Essence. I got that feeling, that funky feeling, R.E. is in the house, and we ready to roll. I just scratched out R.E., put my name in it. <laughs> there you go. So the, rec- the label didn't believe in it, but I, but the real story was they had lost their distribution through Warner, um. and all they had to do was tell me that. I had Def Jam looking at me, uh, 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 Rockefeller was looking at me, and wow. a few other labels were looking at me. Wow. And they set me on the shelf. Wow. Well, so, and Diddy had a little heavy conversation at one time about Bad Boy. Let me, see, I mean, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. Like this. We, okay, let's, let's just call this interview part one. Okay. We're gonna need, <laughs> yeah, we're going to need like maybe four or five, maybe even six different <laughs> so I can tell my whole story. Like a lot of people... You know, really don't know. They see me out here, and they be right. like, "Wow, DJ, but they don't know like what I've gone through in this industry and whatnot, and and how I've been able to 
survive. Uh, sustain my career and survive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Through, through the grace of God, first and foremost. You know what I mean? Right. But you know what? That's what we want to talk about. That's what we want to know. Like when you when you did find out that you got shelved, you know, how did you how did you stay motivated? How did you make it through that? Because that's you know that's one of the things that we're we're here to 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 let our listeners know is how you stay motivated in those times when you face an obstacle because that is inevitable. I, I when mean, you're trying to do something new. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't make any money, but you can yeah. still tour, right? You can still yeah. do tours, right? Or you couldn't do tours. I mean, it has nothing to do with distribution. I definitely make plenty of money because first and foremost, DJ Cool is a hell of a DJ. There you it's go. The <laughs> DJ Cool. There you go. You yeah. what I'm there you go. Yes. We, and I think and we forget that. We forget to. <laughs> we know we actually forget the DJ part of your name, and we just go with the cool because we know you. We don't know you as a DJ. We know you as the 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 rapper, the the guy that does the songs. We know, that's what we know. We don't know that you are. Indeed, but it's good to know. It's good to know. Well, that well that depends on how old you are. Yes, right. Yeah. I started, <laughs> That's I started right. as a DJ in 1977. Wow. Right? Okay. I DJ every, and, and I started in the clubs in probably like 1979, 1980. Wow. wow. I DJed in every major urban club in the D.C. area from 19, let's say 1979 to 1996. Mm-hmm. So if you at least Fifty years old, you know, you you follow me from club to club back then. Oh wow! You see, and I was I was the number one DJ as far as the urban market is concerned around right. here. All the all the go go bands from EU, Trouble Funk, Red Essence, and and every go go band up under them would always make sure that they bought me their records first. I broke all of their records. Chuck everybody. Wow! Wow! Now let's talk. Everybody's of- records as far as go go is concerned. Uh, 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 you see, you see a lot of my uh, offspring running around out here being real successful right now. DJ Flex, uh, wow. DJ Dirty Rico, wow. uh, DJ Gemini. Uh, 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 I've heard, I've heard people like uh, 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 DJ Quicksilver say that he was influenced by me. So many of these guys and whatnot. And so I just look at that as a uh, I don't know. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. You know? It is. That's a blessing. You know, I heard Buster Rhymes say, I see my influence still shining. So I'm proud of all of these cats. DJ Frank Ski, all of these dudes. I gave a lot of them oh, you're going you know, back. their beginnings. You're going yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have to ask you, I mean, I mean, your 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 hits are definitely like worldwide, you know, instantly recognizable. Um, how did you feel when you heard your music played during the Super Bowl? <laughs> That's another question. So maybe we need to say that for like part two or part three. That's another thing that we're kind of settling on right now. Oh, that's not resolved yet? No. Wow, no. okay. We'll, 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 we'll come back to that. Yes, we're coming close to that, though, yep. thank God. That was, that was, um, when I, <laughs> that was the song It Takes Two that I covered uh-huh. uh, the Rob Bass record with me and Fat Man Scoop. Um, when I first heard that, I went through a, um, a lot of emotions right. at the same time. I went through, uh, I had a surprise phase. I had a pissed off phase. <laughs> I, had a, I had a confused phase. I had, I went through so many different emotions in, in, in the matter of, uh, um, the amount of time that it took for that, um, for that commercial to play. Wow. Uh, wow. but at the end of the day, that was a blessing, right? Not knowing yeah. what, not knowing at the time what you were going through all those emotions, it was going to turn out something beautiful at the end, right? 
Yes, because first and foremost, I knew nothing about that. I was I was uh, a, a particular person who I will uh, not name at this time. Okay. Um, in part two or part three, you name him. Right. Now, I'm, I'm, I probably won't name him at all because he's a very good friend of mine. Okay. But anyway, he called me, hey, cool, you looking at TV right now? No, he said, you looking at the game right now? Yeah, I'm looking at the game. He said, well, check this out and call me back. Click up. Commercial comes on TV, and so you know it starts off with it doesn't have any music. Oh. In the beginning of the commercial. Okay. So I'm looking at it. I'm like, all right, whatever. So um, next thing you know, the the music kicks in. Dun, 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 dun. I'm like, wow, what, what? <laughs> <laughs> so then, yeah, so honestly, it, 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 if you could have just seen all the different uh, uh, looks that I had on my face that it kept changing, like, from one emotion to the other. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. So I called my manager. And uh, who was Walt Reedy Jr. And we'll get to him in a moment. Right. Um, and he was like, "Cool, I'm already on. I've already spoken to our lawyer. Uh, 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 um, I've already spoken to the people that want a chapel. So we on this first thing in the morning. All right, boom. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so God is good all the time. You know. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, man, that's great. Um, but let me ask you a quick question. Since we were talking about GoGo for a few seconds, um, the evolution of GoGo, do you see it, has it evolved since you've been in the game? Has GoGo music evolved past the 70s? I mean, from like the early 70s? Because I remember when I heard GoGo the very first time, it was 1982, it was Rare Essence. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is really great. But then if I listen to the music now, it sounds the same. So I know you did a lot in, in, you know, trying to evolve it into, you know, being in different spaces in the hip hop space. But just the core, the hardcore hip hop, has it evolved? Go-Go. Go-Go, sorry. Go-Go. Um, go-go. Go-Go. Yeah. go-go, sorry. Go-Go. Has it evolved? Um, I don't, well, that's, that's, that's a very good question. And it'll probably be a, a question better served for someone like a James Funk or or somebody like that. But I will try to answer that question to the best of my ability. I mean, as, as a, D, you know, as as a, a DJ, DJ. Yes. There yes. you go. Just to clarify, as a DJ. Yes. Um, Got one minute. I guess it had, in in my opinion, it has changed. Okay, it's right. changed with 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 the inception of the bounce beat sound. Um, personally, I'm not a fan of the bounce beat sound in its rawest form. Right. I want to. I want to. I want to. I want to underline that statement, but. Um, oh man, DJ fan. Cool, we got a hold there because we are at the end of the show, so we definitely have to bring what? you back for part two and a part three, definitely. right? Because it goes pretty fast here, man. So, guys, I want to thank DJ Cool for being on the show, um, and thank you so much for like giving us your 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 history. But it's just ten percent you've given us, so we want you to come back to get the Might rest. Even be 5%, okay, five percent. <laughs> hey guys, thanks for listening thank to you How I Made so America. Much. And see you guys next Tuesday. Have a good one.